and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Messel, episode 101. So today is actually the fifth anniversary of the podcast, um, or at least the fifth anniversary of us kind of releasing it sort of to the public. I'm not sure when me and Rob actually first recorded an episode, but um, considering we've just done episode 100 as well, I've sort of done the celebration thing for the time being. Maybe if I get to episode 200 or 10 years of it, we'll, uh, we'll do something special for it. But I thought I should at least try and get an episode out today. As I mean, uh, I, I think I posted this on a few social media pages, sort of somewhat struggling with an episode, just had a slightly busy week because I'm not, you know, organised enough to record this in advance. Um, I've had to throw one together of basically stuff I've been listening to that um, I don't think we've covered before. And I think I've got a good little list from 2021 and a bit of a theme for it. But it might be um, a bit of a looser format than than some episodes. Again, you know, if I recorded ahead of time, wouldn't get into this problem. But if I haven't learned five years, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Something I wanted to mention is for the whole of 2022, I'm going to try an experiment. Um, I imagine a lot of you had a similar feeling to me, and for me, it's been growing for the like the last couple of months um, of feeling that I, as as I go for a year and buy all these new albums. I get really into stuff, normally particularly into that sort of December rush to put a best of the year list together, um, and discover all this great music, and then very quickly move on to the next thing. There are so many millions of interesting albums vying for our attention now. When, when you've got the likes of, you know, Bandcamp and all the streaming services, you can pick up any album from any given time period with ease, and there is so much that it's really hard to focus on and digest all the music you you kind of get into over the year there's so many like if I look back at like my favorite albums of 2018 there's quite a few in there I think I've listened to maybe once since that year despite absolutely loving it and um as an experiment for 2022 I'm planning to buy no new music so Nothing released in 2022 I'm going to pick up, but also I'm not going to pick up anything historical. I'm purely going to focus on my my music library. Like, I, I tend to buy everything and like actually download it to my PC or MP3 players. So I don't really use streaming. So I can quite safely lock myself to just that music for an entire year. Um, it's going to be interesting for the podcast. If you listen to this for new music... It'll be useless. Like, I'm not going to hear anything from 2022 to the following year. Um, but I, I feel there's a huge amount I've not covered from that. And I think also there might be some scope to revisiting to stuff I'm, you know, mentioned a passing interest in three years ago that I maybe will discover more about. I just want to try this to just to change up how I'm listening to things. Like, I notice I, yeah, I notice I buy an extreme amount and don't really spend enough time on it. And I, I want to change that. Obviously, this will mean I'm spending less money on bands. So, yeah, I'm going to keep buying merch. Obviously, go see as much live music as possible. And and the the one the one thing I'll allow myself is I'm I can buy stuff I've got rubbish copies of. I can go out and buy the vinyl or the CD or whatever version of stuff I've already got. I can you know replace that in my collection, but. Otherwise, I'm going to be, yeah, strictly no new music for the entire year. And that, yeah, as I say, that includes historical stuff. Ahead of that, what I was going to say is, please do get in touch. Um, I was thinking particularly might be fun, like, if you recommend me one album from 2021 that you've really enjoyed, 
particularly if it's a bit more underground, um, yeah, something I might not have heard of. And similarly, one album from any time before that. So, yeah, if you could get in touch, two albums to buy. I have just over, I think just under four weeks left of the year where I can still buy music. Tell me stuff to get hold of. Tell me stuff to check out now because, yeah, I've got a ticking clock on uh, any music I can pick up. So please get in touch um, on social media like Phil's Breakfast Metal on Facebook, at Breakfast Metal on Twitter, or you can email me, um, philsbreakfastmetal at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and just recommend me two albums, essentially the, the heavy hole format of one old and one new that I should be checking out before I uh, kind of lock myself off from from anything new for a while. I don't know what effect this will have on the podcast. I, I think I could still make interesting content out of um, out of all that stuff, but I really want to try this experiment and we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. Like, uh, the, I think the one caveat I'll give myself is if any podcast does want to do a collaboration which will require me to listen to something I don't own, I'll totally do that because, I mean... Most of the reason I do this podcast is to do cool stuff like collaborating with other people. So I'm not going to lock myself off from that just for the sake of this. But that is the only caveat. And somehow I don't think that's really going to give me an access to a crazy amount of new music. Um, anyway, like that, yeah, that was just a little announcement. Let's um, let's get on with this. So the, the general theme for this episode, um, I've got a little collection of uh, raw black metal albums and EPs I've, I've realised I've picked up kind of recently that I thought would be fun to talk about. But also I know that's a genre, it's not for everyone. So there'll probably be about half an hour on that and uh, then I'm going to do a couple of just odds and ends I've really enjoyed from the last couple of months. So if you're not interested in raw black metal, skip ahead about half an hour. Um, if you are, uh, hang around. So the first one I want to cover is... The debut EP from Grot, this is Hymns of the Woodland. Um, they're based in the States, but I don't know where. There's not a huge amount of information about this band. They're, they're a two-piece made up of Hunter and Drums and Hoston on guitar, bass and vocals. I, the, I get the impression it's kind of primarily her project, but I like that you know she's gone for a real drummer with this. I want to say this is raw black metal. I think that particularly leans into sort of the guitar tone and vocal delivery certainly i don't think there's much we're covering today that kind of goes into that revenge type end of it where things get really really nasty um at the the heart of it uh, grot's hymns of the woodland is quite kind of a riffy fun album in terms of like the composition it's just the case that these songs are this kind of very heavily fuzzy um not just in terms of guitar, also the vocals have a huge amount of distortion on them. As she goes to this really kind of like high pitched scream, but with this kind of quite thick wall of distortion on it, which makes for a really a really cool sound. Um, in terms of the imagery, it's fairly traditional, fair of what you'd expect from this kind of style. You know, uh, a woodland picture with a, a figure standing in the distance on it, um, and and you know. Track titles, very much in that vein. But I think where this shines is, one, the drum performance is really cool. If you listen to something like the intro to Wandering Light, there's loads of really interesting, entertaining drum work. The guy changes pace a lot in these kind of very brief tracks. And the guitar work is more yeah, traditional Norwegian black metal fare, but 
it it's got a lot of charm to it. I really like how this is is put together, and especially for a debut EP, like a short ninety minute run through, it's uh, it really holds the attention. And the nice little touch of the minute long intro and outro, adding some kind of more melodic touches in there. I think for for future releases from this band, I'd love to hear them work stuff like that moonlit path intro into the fuller songs, like to make maybe longer pieces with more ups and downs, like you know. If they particularly say the intro is like it's a separate two minute track of like a very clean tone guitar and then that stops and then we get this, you know, wall of fuzz. Would be quite cool for that to be a bit more woven in. But that that's a minor complaint and just just an interesting direction I think the, the band could explore with uh with more time. Overall I, I just I really enjoyed this. I thought it was an incredibly charming release and just yeah, as I say particularly great selection of riffs in its short runtime without ever overstaying its welcome and it resists that tendency black metal often has to go for very long songs dragging out um the kind of the few cool ideas this is this is focused and there's a lot happening in this time period now a band taking a very similar kind of tone and general uh, like sort of I know, production value in a very different direction from that is uh, Egypt's Lycopolis, um, and I'm covering their latest EP, Heretics of Armana. Uh, so this is another one of those kind of anonymous projects. I assume it's primarily one guy. Again, as I say, I'm doing this episode on the fly, so I haven't done too much research into the, the background of any of these bands. But yeah, um, this project's a little more... Well, it's not exactly long-running, apparently they've been going since 2018, but they've put out a couple of EPs in a full length. But I've only, only come across them with this... Uh, latest release but what i really like with heretics is it's very um very aggressive and it's got a lot of cool like I, the way they explore ideas in it i really like so the the opening track um gates of the white city starts with this kind of clean tone like simple guitar passage that sort of repeats and then that's when the blasting and kind of the more furious vocals come in that's kind of woven in and the song keeps coming back to this this little repeating passage and it's it just seems like much like the, i was saying i'd like the previous band to do more of the lycopolis have really kind of woven together the different ideas and what they're really good at is when they get into those furious blasting sections, this sounds really intense. Um, I think this is massively helped by the drum recording. I assume it's not programmed. The drums kind of sound quite natural. And like, while this wouldn't work for a tech death album, certainly for raw black metal, this kind of drum capture with this really hefty, like sort of kick and snare sound in it really adds some weight to those like heavier sections, like just a bit more low end to the mix as well. On top of that kind of, you know, high-pitched trebly guitar and the vocals have a real intensity they keep up throughout because on top of them being that like higher scream with a wall of distortion on it they're quite fast like the delivery of them is like sort of quite kind of yeah there's quite rapid attack which yeah just makes the intense sections of this feel so much more um like overbearing i quite enjoy the aesthetic of this band as well like they have no lyrics printed and there isn't really anything in the way of band photos, but their choice of like having these album covers of like sort of washed out kind of uh, sepia pictures of um, Egyptian buildings, like it's, it's a cool aesthetic. And I'm like the some of their track names definitely evoke a lot. There's um yeah, it just has like a slightly different edge to a lot of a lot of black metal, and it's another band who you can sort of go and pick up their entire digital discography off of Bandcamp for. 
like a fiver they don't they don't charge much for this stuff so well worth uh going and checking out i know certainly after this i'll be digging into the, at least their their kind of debut full length and maybe some of their other stuff as well the yeah it's just a real like short but sweet intense listen there's another like this ep is another like 20 minute long one of a couple of short to the point tracks but yeah i just think the the kind of ferocity they capture in that while still having the kind of atmospheric tinge really really makes for a good release Next up is Akvan from Iran. Um, so this is a one-man project, um, and I think like Akvan is the the kind of English translation. Like most of this band stuff is uh, is in Iranian, and then has like the sort of English translation next to it. But yeah, we're talking about their 2021 EP, City of Blood. This is a band that have been around like a good couple of years now, and seem to put out quite a lot of material. They've got. They are one full length, but like a string of EPs. Another one where you can get all their stuff relatively cheaply on Bandcamp, so I highly advise going and um, checking that out. But yeah, City of Blood's an interesting one. I think it would be a good companion piece to a couple episodes back I covered Mazul's Gallipoli, which is this kind of slightly raw black metal thing with a very strong like anti-war message. This similar thing, um, but focusing on the Iran-Iraq war. The lyrics tend to focus on this fairly brutal portrayal of war, and the, the band have stated, like, the, the guy behind it has a very strong anti-war message, um, and yet yeah, this, this EP particularly is leaning into that. Again, one where I've only just come across them, so I have no familiarity with the rest of the work. I'm not sure if that's that's always the theme or not. Musically, where this like sort of departs from, particularly like the last release, is there's a very strong um, sort of Middle Eastern folk vibe to it. Um, there is, sorry, at the core, you've got that kind of heavy black metal, I believe is a one-man project. I think the drums are all programmed and they're, they're kind of, quite uh quite full uh, full on in the mix there but then yeah they got the kind of the fast bit guitar um the vocals are this more kind of um probably like kind of in the vein of someone like Grutal, like one of those very throaty like weird screams but uh, I, I think it's very effective and then a huge amount of like that that folk influence on top so um the guy behind this is credited with playing both sitar and tar which are both vaguely guitar-like stringed instruments um i don't know a lot about them i must confess but they have a hugely prominent uh yeah the guy behind it dominus uh Vizasa, uh seems to have like gone for this really interesting sound where he's like primarily the kind of 
I guess the bit of the mix that would say for like symphonic black metal would be like the huge kind of keyboard sound. He's gone for that with these kind of folk instruments. But the rest of it is this very raw kind of rough capture of things. I mean, it sounds incredibly tight, which again sort of leans towards the idea that it might be kind of programmed drums, but I, I, I'd hate to impugn him if, if that isn't the case. I think it's all I've read uh, from, from the tiny label on the top of their metal archives like the guy's now based out in um in the states or at least was there for a while but is someone of if iranian descent and had lived out in iran like for some of their life so clearly has like a, a you know a major connection to this material and the you know iran iraq war is something that's relatively fresh in the memories it's not not that long past so like the message of this really hits home and i find that um the cover image actually is really striking that that sort of wartime photo with their their logo laid over it yeah i think it's a really cool album cover yeah overall like again it's another short one it's not, not coming in much more uh much over the 20 minute mark but it goes through a lot of ground in that time and and because this one's songs are a bit longer the the opening track vanquish all is over eight minutes and there's a lot of space for evolution in that sound which for that kind of raw approach is quite quite interesting because it does it does have a lot of interesting melodies in there overusing the word interesting i'm sorry uh yeah i i really enjoyed city of blood and i think um i would definitely um go back and check out the rest of this discography. I think I'm going to be listening to a lot of raw black metal posts this episode. But yeah, the, the band's Akfan, and I think they're doing some really interesting work. <laughs> Firstly, I'm on a ban from saying interesting for the rest of the episode. I need to find a better word. Secondly, uh, this next one's going to be a struggle because I can't find a translation of the band name. So, it's a demo from 2021, from a second demo from a band from Thailand, a one-man black metal project, and I don't know how to say the band name. And according to Google Translate, the band name translates to Beaver, which cannot be correct. Like, um, so... I'm afraid my my Googling skills have seriously let me down here. But you can search for the um, the album title. It's sort of anglicization is Bod Hist and Haya. Uh, B O D H I S A N D H I H Y A. Um, and it's yeah another cool short like this one's actually a bit longer. It's closer to half an hour. But it's um yeah kind of. I assumed, like, kind of, um, like the, you know, the anti-Christian take you usually get from, uh, from black metal, um, this is, like, a Taiwanese Buddhist equivalent, 
the uh, the Metal Archives picture is kind of a blurry black and white photo of um, like this kind of shadowy figure holding like a severed Buddha's head and chains, which is a fairly striking image. And like the the demo cover is this kind of somewhat ruined looking uh, Buddhist temple. I do not know much beyond this. Um, does not seem to be a great deal of information about this band out there. So I don't have a lot else to go on. Let's focus on the music. Musically, this is another absolutely furious one. They really ferocious album. Really intense blast beats throughout most of the runtime. There's like the guitar is just all this like kind of super fast pick sound. It's cool. Like there's actually like kind of a cool rumble of bass going on in the background, and the vocals are this like far harsher kind of uh, scream over the top of it again through an absolute wall of distortion. Um, but what it kind of achieves with that is there is still kind of riffs and really memorable moments um, that uh, cut, like sort of cut through kind of this like, you know, wall of filth, this kind of absolute like fuzzing hellscape the guy creates. Like there is some really great kind of, kind of riffing and uh, parts like that throughout it. Um, despite that kind of wall of, like, screaming feedback, like, a lot... That is the one where, like, a lot of tracks start with, like, you know, just a howling feedback of a guitar. Like, they've really sort of lent into that sound. Although there's, there's some moments where, I, I don't know, like, sort of really cool stuff emerges from the chaos. Like, particularly the uh, final track, like, Angels Crying for the Sun has this great bit where we just have one guitar, which is still really distorted and fast-picked, but playing this, this like, melody for a bit that kind of lets this slightly melancholy sound get in there before going for, like, yeah, like, a kind of a more triumphant build-up for that final track. And actually, this final track is particularly where the bass starts cutting through the mix, and that, that kind of, I don't know, the mixture of some bass guitar in there as well really, uh, really adds something interesting to the sound. One criticism with this album would be it is a or demo I should say is there's a bit too much cymbals going on the drums like when they go into those blaster bits there is a sort of like some of the cymbal tapping does sort of dominate the mix in those sections but it's a demo so I I don't I don't really think you can criticize the mix on a demo you know these these are normally meant to be work in progress but yeah I, I thought thought a really enjoyable listen um and just yeah. Very intense, and I yeah, another one where I, I found the aesthetic interesting, just that kind of taking seemingly that kind of um, usual satanic look, but doing it for a different religion.
sorry if that last one, um, I didn't do a good job of explaining where to find it. If you enjoyed that, like the sounds of that, um, send me a message or I'll send you a link to it. Yeah, really sorry I couldn't find a decent translation. So another band where I may run into some troubles. Uh, this is an India-based band with their debut album, uh, and the like their metal archives um, has a translation of the band name to Gotama buddha um and i think if you search for that you should be able to find the band um the one i i remember um uh shuffle repeat covered them recently as well like and it's it's, it's another another interesting one this is i'd say far less kind of furious and aggressive than the others and sorry i can't reference too much more it's um Again, uh, nothing's nothing's translated, and I haven't done the due diligence trying to translate everything the other way. I'll share some links on the social media to this stuff. Um, yeah, th this one is far less like aggressive and hostile than the previous one. Apparently, the lyrical themes are very much based in um, Buddhism, and there is, despite this being a very much a raw black metal album, in some ways rawer than any of the others we've covered. There seems to be a fair um post-rock like influence every so often like the the first track has this kind of melodic break about eight minutes into it which is just this very clean tone guitar um and yeah just as i say in far more kind of uh post-rocky territories but then goes back to this kind of um very raw kind of chaotic black metal the so the rawness of this one is less in the kind of distortion and the ferocity and more into its kind of looseness like i think this must be a real drum performance because so this doesn't really work against the album but it's like not completely in time at moments it feels like it's getting into some like very interesting like dissonant territory where yeah, just not everything is completely synced up. Like, I assume this couldn't be a programmed track because it's it's kind of got that looseness. There's no um, no word as to who's in the band. So I don't know if this is performed by a full band. It's just it, it's an Indian uh, bass group apparently, and and yeah, none of the song titles or really any information about the band is translated into English. I could probably put it into a translator. But as we've already seen this episode, that's not having amazing results for me at the moment. Yeah, but I felt this was a very interesting release to say. Like, it kept up a very strange energy. The combination of like the style of songwriting versus the the sort of um, yeah, the sort of like the the chaos of of the recording. I also really like the presentation. It is um, a lot of very red imagery. I'm assuming it's a one-man project from as much as the band, like, the picture for them is a kind of grainy black and red image of, of like, kind of a faceless character. But that could mean anything. It's, uh, yeah, very mysterious one, but I, I kind of really like that. It gives it a, a an interesting energy. Also, this is the only actual full-length album of a lot. This is probably, you know, close to 40 minutes uh, for kind of large-scale songs were the all roughly 10 minutes long and go for a lot of movements as they having these kind of like i think all four tracks have some kind of uh post-rock-esque interlude and well not an interlude but like you know moment where they they move away from the the kind of black metal i'd say as well it doesn't lean into the blast beats quite as much as some of the others the drumming is 
is a lot slower. It's kind of quite heavy. Like there's a very present like kick and snare sound, but it's yeah, it's not this kind of hyper blast stuff you were getting with some of those some of those earlier ones. The vocal performance again seems to be a running theme for nearly all these bands. Is there's a reasonable level of distortion on the vocals, but again, it's not quite as like harsh or intense as some of the others, and there's a bit more sort of dynamic to the vocal delivery. Overall, just a really enjoyable one, and I think um, possibly more so than some of the others, one that makes for very good kind of, um, you know, that, that kind of music you can just sort of zone into and get into a headspace, and, you know, for something that's based entirely around uh, Buddhism, it, it does have that sort of meditative quality, some, like, very atmospheric black metal managers. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting release. Shame I can't say, I can't say more of the names, but... Uh, Gotama Buddha, if you search for that and Bandcamp, I'm sure I'm sure the album will come up. And once again, if if you do struggle to find it, please um yeah, get in touch and I'll send you a link. Alright, let's do one more in this genre and I'll move on to some stuff I might be a bit more qualified to talk about. Uh, sorry, this episode hasn't gone so well. Um so last band I want to talk about, uh, another another debut EP from this year. This is Finini with Cold in Our Hearts. Uh Finney, I think. F-I-N-I. Um, and the reason this band caught my attention is the sort of the location they're from. They are a two-piece black metal band from the Maldives, which, um, according to Metal Archives, there's about ten bands in total from from there. Although, actually, it's got a kind of... population's bigger than Iceland, but, yeah, just obviously uh, <laughs> not as interested in metal as Iceland, which, you know is pretty true of the entire world, barring Finland. Um, and so uh, the the band name is um, is in the Maldives language, translates to cold, which is yeah, very appropriate for a black metal band. And actually, I quite like the, the look of the cover drew me in as well. The, these two sort of ghoulish figures stood by these, uh, these two cannons in front of a, a row of palm trees in this kind of very rough like hand-drawn style um and the the ep is incredibly short like less than 15 minutes of like essentially a two-part track um of kind of this is yeah this is somewhat less primitive structurally it's just like the the recording has a sort of demo quality to it but um it's sort of well. So the first riff of it very much reminds me of Waltz in the Throne Room's Vastness and Sorrow. Like there's quite a, quite a similar like kind of melodic pattern. And structurally, I wouldn't say this band's a million miles off what that band do. There's a lot of long drawn out, quite melodic riffs over some you know more intense kind of uh, uh, drum passages and. The vocalist Thomas, who plays um, guitar and bass as well, has a very interesting vocal delivery. I can't really describe it. You're just going to have to hear it. It's um, it's a strange sound, but it, it really works for the band. It certainly gives them a uh, a sense of uniqueness. And we also have uh, Demonen uh, credited with drums, so this this EP does have an actual like an actual drummer on it. Um, and that, I think again that 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 often adds to this kind of style. It, the only issue is, for some reason, the way the drums are recorded, the snare has this absolute like 
gunshot kind of ringing out to it. It's a really sort of intense part of the mix. Because it's a relatively short runtime. I haven't got a huge amount to say about this. But I think what sort of I found captivating about this is because the band play at kind of a slower pace for a lot of it and use these quite melodic passages, when they do build up into the heavier blasting sections, they do feel more earned and more potent by by virtue of that. Like, that this band do a good job in, like, the, the small amount of music they've released, like, moving between, like, a lot of, um, a lot of tempos and, yeah, when they get into, like, the faster stuff, yeah, it does feel like, like a good build-up and sort of payoff. Not going to be a huge amount of surprises for listeners in this one, but, you know, if you've never checked out a band from the Maldives before, um, yeah, this, this is definitely one I'd advise starting on. So I'm going to slowly pivot away from the raw black metal, but do it gently. The next band are, they play kind of a brand of black and fresh. This is the debut album from Zeta or Zeta, I'm, I'm not sure how to say it, um, Devouring Darkness, released I think, I think a couple of months ago. Um, it's an interesting project. It's uh, three guys from Texas, France and Ecuador. And according to an interview I just read, I don't think they've actually ever met up in person. So... This album was, I assume, recorded, uh, yeah, recorded in three separate studios, essentially. We have one guy covering all guitar and bass duties, one vocalist and a drummer. And I'd say the way this album sort of mixed and comes together, they kind of feel like they're holding down a third of it each. Like, the drum performance particularly on this is amazingly captivating. Um, It's a Star Trek theme band, I also discovered from, from that interview, the... The title comes from uh, the. Uh, this is the old like classic original Star Trek uh, episode, Lights of Zetar. Um, I know very little about Star Trek uh, myself. I, I'm a massive nerd, but um, uh, yes, <laughs> afraid not an area of expertise. Although looking at stills from this episode on Google Images, I think it might have been the influence for that episode of Dark Place where the woman slowly turns into broccoli. But don't let that take away from um, from this band. I, I think they have a really cool thing going on. The, the the thing that brought this album to my attention, like so many albums these days, was an absolutely fantastic cover. The it is really reminiscent of like 60s, 70s sci-fi artwork. This looks like a cover to 
a book that would probably be kind of interesting but way too long. Oh, that's why it looks so cool. It's it's a Bruce Pennington uh, cover. He's the guy who did the Hidden Histories of the Human Race cover. Here, like he is an artist of of that period, and I wonder if um, this probably was a cover of a book as well as as well as an album. Like I think a lot of his work that went that way back in the um, back in the seventies. But yeah, like um, to get into like the 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 music itself, the 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 album starts off with this cool kind of uh, older sounding sci-fi intro with a lot of like sort of synths and feedback, and then that really cool uh, drum performance comes through. And I I say like the drum performance is really captivating. It's something about the recording. It the drums just sound fucking great on this i just love the snare sound on this album and when it's going for those cool like groovy black and fresh riffs that the way the, the drum performance is really interesting as well but the combination of the way it's recorded and the way he's playing just uh, it just makes everything pop in an amazing way um the writing is really solid it's a lot of moves between quite melodic leads and then sort of harsher kind of rougher like black and fresh riffing the vocals are yeah, very um very intelligible but like nasty scratchy kind of scream the uh yeah the singer has a really cool delivery this album just feels like a fantastic example of a band being immensely creative within some very strict confines like every song on this barring the intro and the one interlude track, Orbital Decay, very much sounds like a traditional black and thrash song, but these guys string a huge amount of riffs together in each song. It's not a simple sort of verse-chorus structure. These songs are very complex in terms of their riffing, if not necessarily technicality. And they just breathe so much sort of life and enthusiasm into this album. I found like pretty much every riff of it is catchy, and coupled with that really lovely kind of recording and production, it's yeah, it, it's um, it really kind of capt like captured my attention throughout. Which this style I I find can often be like a fairly hit or miss on that front. Um, and and to think that this came out of because it sounds like because it has a slightly natural cleaner recording. Um, um, natural is a ridiculous word for it, but like, it isn't a particularly like sort of triggered kit or anything like that. Um, I, I, I assume it must have been recorded to a click if it's been done like you know spread out across the world. But it does have that band in a room feel to it, which which is incredible for an international project where I, I believe yeah they they didn't they didn't actually meet in person. Um, a a Russian guy. Uh, Bogdan Markov uh, is, uh, is credited with recording it. I, I don't recognise a lot of the bands he's... Uh, so not recording, sort of mixing and mastering. I don't recognise a lot of the bands he's done that for, but the job he's done here definitely strikes me as a person to keep an eye on. But as always with these things, how much is in how the band did it and how much is the, the, the kind of the studio guy twiddling the knobs, right? it's impossible to tell, but yeah some real talent went into this and yeah as i say there's just a lot of creativity packed into it it's just little things like um in the in the track uh portal 63 there is this like constant recurring cymbal sound that doesn't sound like a cymbal i've ever heard before he's gone for like some really interesting bit of warped metal i assume to make this noise um 
Also, really, despite the kind of complexity, as I say, of all these kind of intertangled riffs, not a lot of showy stuff. There's very few bits of lead guitar outside of essentially the riffing. Like, it's um, not a showy album. No one's really kind of barring maybe the drummer, but honestly, even the complexity of what he's doing is always just adding to the groove. Um, yeah, there's some, some cool moments. Uh, Portal 6-3, I think, stands out. It's probably my, my favourite track on it. I love the the sort of use of these kind of distorted, heavier backing vocals. But overall, it just, yeah, caught me caught my attention and say, like, interesting choice of aesthetic for a cover. Black and Fresh is not what I was expecting from this. I was would have assumed from this cover something more leaning to the tech death realm or or the bloody incantation kind of thing. Hence the, you know, use of the same artist. Um, but yeah, like, and they, they seem to have really... Um, really carved out like sort of a, a musical aesthetic as well going for this quite yeah kind of natural roomy sound for for all the instruments yeah and 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 the the star trek lyrical themes in uh in black metal i love it what a what a cool choice <laughs> So I think I'll keep this next review brief because I think absolutely everyone is talking about this album at the moment. Um, and there is a Blood Incantation connection. This is very recently released Stormkeep with their debut full length, Tales of Other Time. Um, their EP from last year, Galdrum, got a lot of attention as well. Um, so if you somehow haven't come across this band... Um, they are made up of members of Wayfarer, um, uh, the drummer of Blood Incantation, who's, I, I think, like, I think the major guy behind this. Like, he's credited with drums, vocals, guitar, and keyboards, but there is, like, a full lineup. Isaac Falk, uh, should, should remember his name, really. Um, yeah, and then, like, rounded out with, um, 
five other guys, another guy tried to do with drums, so I assume, like, the album is now, like, a kind of, essentially, a lineup that can play live. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Isaac's not playing drums on this, uh, this actual recording. Um, yeah, like, this, this one is, it's an amazing triumph, because it's something that, uh, has found a way to be really interesting in one of the kind of really overdone genres at the moment. I'd say essentially this is something taking a huge amount of influence from classic Swedish black metal. So to my my ears, this album sonically sits somewhere between like a massive early dissection influence and then a massive like Hammer Heart onwards Baffery influence. It's a bit of both of those kind of sounds. It's like Lil leaning towards the kind of folk black metal and then some of that more riffy, like lead guitar driven dissection energy. But by virtue of very, very good songwriting, Stormkeep have been able to find a way to get really creative with that. The the album really tight as well i think it's only about 40 minutes like six tracks or something like that and it is just these really like a couple of really long songs are just well constructed the great movements seem heavy and sort of clean tone and then this layering of interesting things you wouldn't see coming but the first the opening track the seer the the nine minutes have so many cool surprises there's halfway through you get these element of um really kind of awesome swells of like kind of classic 70s sounding keyboards and then right towards the end of the song and i believe this is credited to jake rogers of uh visigoth fame some really cool kind of high pitch clean singing that has incredible like epicness and weight to it um yeah that that was that was awesome like, i like just like the rest of the performance is really cool like um Isaac's vocals are great, but they lean into that sort of traditional sound. I wasn't expecting this to drop in some cleans that were that good at the same time. It's out on Van Records, who they they know their stuff in this kind of this kind of genre. But yeah, just Stormkeeper just sort of done everything right with this. The cover is again like a sort of very much feels like a seventies throwback in this um, in terms of um, fantasy rather than sci-fi of this kind of wizard like figure approaching this evil foreboding castle you know in a frostbitten storm and you know complete with tales of the other time of uh, tales of other time yeah just really really leaning into a, a kind of kind of design and theme i, I don't know they they've nailed something with that i i really like what they've gone to and, and as well like the the artwork is uh credited to Karmazid, who has done all sorts of stuff. Like he, he's not an actual throwback painting like uh, the previous band. This is this is a newer artist doing something in that style. You know, really cool. Given the kind of caliber of this lineup and those descriptions, I think you already know if you're going to like this. But you know, if you want to, like, if this this sound appeals to you, that kind of like dissectiony kind of riffing, but then add in these kind of like cheesy kind of faux medieval interludes and like epic clean vocals they you're gonna love this if that sound appeals if not i uh, maybe this will convert you it seems to be 
it seems to be really working for people at the moment. And, you know, the three or four listens I've given it uh, since it came out a couple of weeks ago, it's I definitely found it very captivating. Only thing that slightly lets it down, and I uh, <laughs> I hate to impugn their work, I didn't think the spoken word bit right at the end worked very well. Uh, they got two people credited in, so it's not the band doing it themselves. Like, they've got two, I, I assume, actors in for it, but... That was the one bit I didn't like that much. But everything else about it is amazing. And, you know, the, the aesthetic's spot on. This is 1914, Where Fear and Weapons Meet, from uh, Napalm Records. And this is one I was thinking before starting on this, like, what genre are 1914? They're kind of a bit of most of them. And yeah, Metal Archives has them down as Black and Death slash Doom Metal. So basically, somewhere in the middle of all of it, they're like a sort of slightly melodic but still fairly harsh version of any one of those genres, depending on the moment of the song. So... If you're not aware of them, the Ukrainian-based band been around since 2014. Have put up three albums. Um, 2018's "The Blind Leading the Blind" was an album both me and Rob thought was one of the best of that year, and has really stuck with me. If anything, I think it's better the more time I've spent on it. This incredibly powerful, um, like sort of as I say, like sort of melodic doom esque album really leaning into the the kind of horrors of world war one and doing one of the best jobs i've ever heard in the metal album of depicting the terrors of war they they used a lot of like samples um from films etc to sort of punctuate bits but then had these really kind of politically relevant lyrics often with you know very accurate historical content and where Fear and Weapons Meet had a lot to live up to in my eyes. As I say, I really, that's one of my 
sort of favourite albums of recent years. And I, I I would say it manages it. I, I Whether it's better or not, that, that'll take time to tell. But I think this is another fairly incredible album. 1914 have really hit onto an interesting formula here. They seem to have this one as well, actually. They've somewhat moved away from using quite so many um, uh, samples. Like, they're, they're still there. There's still some samples. But what they've done on this album, which I really like is um taken lyrics from like historical contexts and to to kind of fill out the song so the um the first track proper of the album uh fn 380 acp 1974 um is based on the kind of the i think the kind of confession letter or the the sort of note left after the assassination of the archduke franz ferdinand the sort of catalyst for world war one um, and the the kind of uh, the lyrical themes throughout. If you are a kind of uh, sort of World War history buff, this has got a lot for you in there. And, and even if not, if like even you just have a casual interest in this, there's loads of great jumping off points where you can read about these sort of tragic events, and they do such a good way of sort of capturing that kind of atmosphere and feel that yeah it makes you want to know more about this um the the kind of single they put out ahead of the album and across now marx's place um is is like almost a direct reading other than repeating a certain phrase for the chorus of of a kind of uh like officer's letter to a to the family of someone who's died in his unit and it's an incredibly potent thing um, they get Nick Holmes in to do some guest vocals, uh, Nick on Paradise Lost fame, adding, I believe, half and half cleans and screams, and perfect placing, much like on the previous album, having, um, uh, oh, why am I blanking the guy's name? Dave Ingram of, uh, of Bolt Thrower and Benediction fame in on vocals. Yeah, another really cool choice of guest vocal performance. The thing on this album that I think was... I think is a newer edition, but I'm worried I'm wrong about this. He's, this seems to be far more sort of orchestration added. It's not on every track or anything like that, but moments, say, like uh, Pillars of Fire, The Battle of Mezzanines, has a load of kind of orchestral swells um, and kind of, yeah, like extra backing on top of this kind of... I'd say like, 1914's music is relatively simplistic kind of death doom black metal whatever it is like it's not the most complex so it has a lot of space for these kind of yeah melodic sort of keyboard layers um so uh an orchestra and conductor are credited on on metal archives at any rate i'm i don't yet own the uh the physical copy of this but um i'm not sure whether it is the, the flesh god apocalypse or like monolith death cult thing where they're sort of like they're credited but that is just actually one dude composing it with a synth or if there is actual true orchestral backing but that shows the quality of it that a a layman and idiot like myself can't actually tell one way or the other and i think it really works it, it doesn't descend into the dimmy borger-esque pomp and cheesiness that, that can bring they use it subtly enough the the tracks keep their kind of heavy vibe because at the center of it 1914 if you strip away all the stuff that I, I find fascinating about it the the sort of historical context and that these are just good riffy catchy songs like 
really cool drum work throughout um the the vocal performance um <laughs> well, no, they all go by ridiculous names i've got uh, uh second division uh infantry regiment <laughs> nr <laughs> infantry infantry regiment nr 147 uber lieutenant ditmar kumbag the vocalist uh has an amazing scream i absolutely love his voice like really kind of super clear he enunciates so well but he's got a real great gravel to it i mean this is a very well produced very well captured album but it i don't know it just still sounds kind of brutal and like it could be thoroughly enjoyed as a kind of death metal album without that um that element but that element just elevates it and makes it truly special there's some particularly interesting sort of departures on this one we have Track six, Coward, is is it's, it's a folk song. It's an acoustic guitar folk song. Um, Sasha Bull, who is a guitarist, like singer songwriter, acoustic guitar singer songwriter types, credited on it. And yeah, it's these sort of this kind of clean vocal lament over this very uh, very sad like acoustic guitar line. And yeah, amazing, really potent song. And sat like dead in the middle of the album, like really breaks up kind of the heaviness another kind of interesting moment is the the 11 minute long closing epic the green fields of france which is an eric bogle bogle uh cover sorry um who's a scottish folk singer and another another kind of lament about the first world war that they have set to this absolutely crushingly heavy doom like the real slow plodding just massive sounding doom chords it kind of I, I really like that way they've when i say cover i think it is more or less a lyrical cover where they've, they've set the the lyrics of the song to completely different music but it does in the second half have nods to the the folk song with like bagpipes um sort of coming in um and again i assume those are sampled but yeah it, it's it the sampling but yeah works perfectly once again, I think all three of their arms have this. Like it's topped and tailed by War In and War Out, which are like a minute-long sample of a contemporary song of the First World War to sort of um, set the tone. And yeah, basically, nineteen fourteen, you've done it, done it again. They have made uh, something that feels incredibly like impactful and bleak and dark as as an album into like this centered on the First World War should do while still remaining incredibly kind of catchy, memorable, engaging. Yeah, it's it's a it's a brilliant release and we're again another like excellent uh, album cover to go along with it, very much in the vein of the the previous one, uh, the blind leading the blind. Um I say the blind leading the blind is slightly more affecting by the kind of nonchalance of the the death figure in it, but still cool um yeah if if you haven't checked out either of these albums i'm not like whatever genre of metal you're into give them a go they're they are really special but they do require some more time i would say you you need to you need to at least be giving me full attention because the way to get the most out of these is um is to uh you know fully dedicate yourself to them focus on the lyrics and the context around them uh as well as as well as just like the riffs and uh, more obvious bits. I've also just clicked on some details about Blind Leading the Blind and remembered it has the same structure of it's another 11-track album 
with a short folk song as the the middle track. Uh, that one is the uh, hanging on the barbed wire cover, which um, yeah, <laughs> like cool. They they've got a structure that they they've done multiple times without feeling remotely stayed or um, or unnecessary. Next up is a massive uh, shift from everything we've been talking about, but I really want to cover this um, extremely recent release. This is, just came out last week. Um, this is a collaborative album between uh, British uh, kind of folk experimental artist Richard Dawson and the Finnish kind of weirdo um, heavy metal band Circle called Henke. Um, and pretty, <laughs> I'll read the little description from the band gang because it's kind of fantastic. Henke is an epic joint record from Richard Dawson and the diminutive Geordie Troubadour and Circle, the genre-straddling pioneers of the new wave of Finnish heavy metal. Unlike any metal album you have heard before, Henke's seven-track deal with special plants throughout history, making it the greatest floral-themed hypno-folk metal record of the year. Um... If that hasn't somewhat intrigued you, you're probably not going to be into this. So, I'm not familiar with Circle at all. Um, I was just excited because I've been getting really into Richard Dawson stuff over the last um, the last few years. And uh, him doing something with a full band seemed really interesting. So, I got really into his stuff uh, with um, 2020 from a few years back. And he's this kind of... He's gone for a bit of an evolution. If you go back to some of his older stuff, like The Glass Trunk, is this very strange album that is primarily almost like sort of oddball spoken word poetry stuff with minutes of like harsh, weird guitar interludes. And as his sound went on to like Peasant and 2020, these became more sort of recognisable songs where he would fuse a lot of different genre influences together uh, with his odd like electric guitar style playing and his bizarre vocals say so I, I have no idea how this will travel to like an american audience his his sort of his vocal performance is 
but his Geordie accent is very strong and his vocal performance is completely bizarre. All his things are these very off-kilter, like, rhythmically strange kind of deliveries with... And the kind of the pitch and choice of notes, really bizarre, but incredibly memorable. If you hear one of his songs two or three times, it will not leave you for life. Like, he, his his kind of high voice gets very caught in your head. And yeah, his guitar playing is really often simplistic, but very interesting. But his music is primarily just him playing or him playing over simple drum beats. So the excitement with Henke was there's a full band, there is actually going to be sort of interesting addition of extra guitars, like a, you know, dedicated drummer and bass player, and there's a lot of um, extra synths going on in this album. Now, obviously with his stuff, it takes a while to digest, he's put a lot of time into the lyrics as well, and because the music is more complex, I probably haven't got the full measure of this in the week, but I want to talk about it because I really like what I've been hearing so far. So I'm very excited hearing the initial uh, single, Mephusela, which is probably the song I'd advise anyone to start on this if they're, they're sort of dipping their toe because he has got a far more heavy metal leaning. Like, this is this is definitely harking back to maybe New Wave of British heavy metal or something like that. Heavy metal is not... It's, it's kind of... That kind of metal which is just on the border with rock. It's, it's certainly no death metal influence going on here. But there is some hard rocking guitars. There is a big, uh, like, chorus hook with his, like, amazing uh, high vocals. Like, it, it's, it's something for, for his kind of stuff that sounds way more like a traditional rock song than anything I've heard before. Particularly, like, sort of, it's a far cry from, like, the, the Glass Trunk era. Um... But they do take far more, like, so diversions in this album. Like, uh, Silithium, the, the third track, is this sort of 12-minute song where, like, almost the last seven minutes of it, this very meandering detour between, like, sort of noodly guitars and keyboards sort of, you know, playing off each other. What I find interesting, actually, with this collaboration is a lot of the time this sounds like him doing vocals over another band. But every so often, riffs or sort of one guitar part will obviously stand out as being Richard Dawson versus theirs. I think some of this he has he has quite a different guitar tone to them, but there's just something about his playing that simple as it is, like it does cut through and is distinctly him. Um his songs with his solo stuff have a, an extreme sadness and weight to them and this is very much captured on this album as well. Uh, it's a the, the second single he did for the album, uh, Lily, uh, really is quite potent on that front, um, particularly coupled with the the music video. A music video that uh, features um, uh, English snooker legend Steve Davis, amazingly. Um, yeah, well worth a watch. It's, it's really potent stuff for a music video that primarily focuses on a snooker table. But um, I was watching like a live video of Richard Dawson talking about like one of his songs where this is him to a T saying, Oh, this this next song is is about a flood, although it's not actually about a flood and that that is the, like the best summary of his kind of stuff of um he'll often take a situation and use it to describe like a a certain emotional kind of headspace or something. And yeah, it's amazing. This is 
as well, like, because I say it harkens back to sort of an older era of metal, I really like the kind of, the recording of it. I think, I, I assume this is something Circle are very good at in their own right. It, it has an older nature to the way the guitars and drums, the, the, just the feel of the recording. Um, it has that, that sort of live band energy. It doesn't doesn't feel so much like a studio album, despite, again, it being a, a collaboration like that. There are a lot of interesting dynamics to this um, album. The the first track, Cooksonia, goes for this kind of very slow folk kind of feel with occasional nods to more like kind of psychedelic sounds, particularly when the sort of keyboards come in the second half. Whereas um, Ivy is more of like a, a kind of like rocking song, but occasionally takes this odd like turn into very dark kind of folk territories and and the lyrics seem to primarily be um about the 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 story of king midas there's a lot of because i'm used to richard dawson's kind of lyrical themes being a bit more contemporary probably because of the one album i sort of know super well of his stuff but um this seems to go through a lot of a lot of areas lyrically a lot of different kind of time periods and feels it that's the part of it i wish i'd spent more time on ahead of reviewing it because i think there's a lot of lyrical depth i'd, I'd like to have got into there but yeah it's a incredibly very kind of thing and when you get to sort of later half of the album tracks like Methuselah, far more kind of rocking and do kind of earn that tag of of being heavy metal this will not be for everyone and i as I say, I really don't know how this will go over with people who aren't used to a Geordie accent. So even people like, if English isn't your first language or American listeners, I don't know whether this will be somewhat difficult on that front. But if you can persevere and get your head around the vocals, I, yeah, personally, I think they're absolutely incredible, but they won't be everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, an album I sort of came across relatively recently. I think there's been some buzz about this one, and it's it's a very interesting one. And you know it's incredibly cult because it's not on Metal Archives. So this is Basil Vat with their I think I think it's the third album, The Higher Power. Uh, Basil Vat is spelt B A A Z L V A A T, obviously. 
Um, and it's a collaboration between two guys, uh, Nogglepipe, who uh, plays drums and does the vocals, and Bazavat, who does all the strings. Uh, Nogglepipe uh, also has their own band, who do extremely raw black metal, and uh, Bazavat also plays all the strings on that. Um, but uh, this band, they are weird. Very fitting for a raw black metal uh, episode, because this has a very kind of washed out strange fuzzy production and the difficulty i have describing this uh album is i don't know what genre it is it's like this really cool amalgamation of kind of folk acoustic guitar music black metal and a myriad other influences like particularly striking this is the amazing guitar work there is just like beautiful lead after beautiful lead throughout this Basilvat's playing himself is is fantastic and he is just this wonderful melodic player but uh Nord Pipe's drumming is this like it's quite simplistic and stripped back he doesn't it's not really like this kind of hyper blasting it's uh yeah very slow in places and there's this sort of even in the kind of heavier more electric parts is this ever-present sound of like acoustic guitar strumming in the background of most of it but also the reproduction is so kind of raw and rough like this sounds like a kind of bedroom demo in some ways but like the best bedroom demo like just that that doesn't work against it for some reason like also everything can be heard clearly there isn't anything sort of washing out the other sounds i think this is incredibly intentional mix but the band present themselves in such a such an odd way as well like their online presence i can only describe as very <laughs> very odd they um i can't really yeah, I can't really explain it. Watch their most recent announcement video for them having more merch out to get get the impression of, of what I mean. It's the two guys from the band standing in a field in, like, a strong wind, awkwardly sort of explaining details of the upcoming album with loads of really rapid cuts between, <laughs> between the, this very short minute-long announcement video. Really odd. I, yeah, but the music's great because I'm just having such trouble describing what's going on. Like, just to sort of get some context, I listen to a song. Uh, the start of, say, The Night Castle, the third track, that riff has this kind of, like, old-school kind of, like, motorhead double-kick drum beat. Um, these kind of low black metal screams, proggy 70s keyboards, and then the bass and guitar are sort of doing this sort of bluesy jammy riffing and it's all happening at once but it all sounds very calculated and it sounds natural but when you stop to analyze what's going on it's completely bizarre i'm not going to dwell on the higher power too much longer because it's clearly making my brain melt but um just give it a listen you, you haven't heard anything like this before basilvat are on to something very unique such a such an interesting way of a band presenting themselves like particularly that choice of the recording oh god i just i bet i've been saying it the whole episode i can't get away from the word interesting uh jesus i need to do something about that
do one more review to finish off the episode, and this one will be a mission to get through without saying interesting. So another recent release is another November one. They put out on iVoid Hangar Records, uh, an often favourite of mine. Uh, this is Creature with their fourth album, Elog du Lombre. Um, probably pronounced that totally wrong. Sorry, my French is terrible. Uh, so this is a one-man uh, French project, but you... You've probably, if you've not heard this already, but it's a one-man French project on Ivoid Hanger Records. They play avant-garde and progressive black metal. You've probably got a sound in mind. That is totally the wrong sound. Like, this album is very different from traditional Ivoid Hanger fare. It is immensely well-produced. It's this kind of precision, very complex odd but odd in a kind of they've got some comparison i'd say to and i don't know i know it's bad and very divisive there is a little bit of like the igor type thing going on in the sound but without sort of the glitchiness or the kind of obsession with throwing in every genre under the sun um you have got to be shitting me mel's decided to like pop packing things in the other room so sorry if that is is on the audio uh anyway so this is one man project of uh Raphael uh Fortinger um and he's credited with vocals guitar bass and keyboards on this but uh Bard of Leprous fame is joining in on drums so when I say it's this well captured performance you've got that powerhouse of a very interesting drummer driving this out album forward so when i heard oh it's a one-man black metal project on ivoid hanger i was not expecting the kind of melodic precision of creature to come forward with this one i've since gone back like i really enjoyed this album so i've since gone back and listened to his previous one excrafedra which i remember there being a lot of buzz about and people really enjoyed excrafedra is a very different album as well it's um far more kind of long form and with a lot of guest uh flute and violin it's got these big orchestrated sections like the, the as i say the tracks kind of longer far two tracks of the, the album like in the 10 minute mark and i believe the drumming is programmed by Raphael. um and it sounds like more traditional i avoid hang affair it sounds kind of like a symphonic black metal album this is not that these are 12 very condensed quick to the point songs often based around a single like melodic hook will be the the centerpiece of a track and often like an interesting piece of keyboard or lead guitar work and he does a lot of what i like with that kind of style of because he really bumps the keyboards up in the mix they're a major part of this sound he goes through loads of different keyboard tones like all sorts of bizarre weird and wonderful noises on that front um there's like some great additions to it as well. We have a couple of guest vocalists. Um, there's um, a guest trumpet player comes in halfway through the album. There are moments where we move into kind of like brief sections of fast acoustic guitar playing before going back to this very, um, yeah, stylistically kind of very studio polished, like heavy black metal guitaring. I need to mention as well, because sort of looking at it for the notes and that, the cover of this album 
is really striking and i still don't know whether it's good or terrible the cover is this like um computer generated image of a a human face but it made out of this like rippling kind of gelatinous green material it's extremely striking and it totally got my my attention um yeah creature is just a very very inventive project they're they're trying something new here i i would say there's there's other bands doing this kind of thing but it's yeah, taking some of that more experimental black metal energy of some of those bands that like fuse every genre into one song, but making it this inherently presentable and extremely accessible, like at its core it is very melodic and catchy. You just never know quite what's gonna happen. The vocals throughout the album just go all over the place. There's there's a lot of the like, your more expected black metal screams, but Occasionally goes for some lower, kind of more guttural stuff. Then there's all kinds of different clean vocals throughout the album, like a lot of a lot of variation at delivery. And I, I really like some of the clean vocals, much like with Stormkeep. There, actually, some of the highlights, which is you know odd for a black metal release. And just when you thought this album was done with all its surprises, you come to the title track, which starts off with a kind of um, sort of keyboard passage, normal enough for this album. Then Electronic percussion and rapping comes in. French rapping, to to be precise, which I, I feel has a bit of a different tone to it. The the rapping is done by someone credited as just Jay, which I am not going to attempt to Google who the hell that is, because this is going to take forever. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And the weird thing is, it just totally works. It's not that place. It, it, it doesn't feel like an obnoxious left field term for the sake of it it's just weird but it it does fit like it these albums structurally i think had sort of prepared me for it to keep changing and then it goes back into the the final song retrograde and we're we're towards more of a you know sound consistent with earlier tracks in the album it's it's a very cool release there's as I say, the fact they keep it grounded in those melodic hooks, I think makes it really special. Um, because it doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel so knowingly kind of self-indulgent genre blending. It feels like they are doing it with a real sense of suiting the songs and uh, it making it a good album rather than just like a head-scratching one. Some of you might feel it goes too far on that front and... I, I couldn't necessarily argue with that criticism, but just for me personally, it never felt like it it strayed out of the bounds of just being at its core a cool kind of melodic black metal release, albeit with some very left field ideas drawn drawn on in there. And yeah, I, I think I think it's a really engaging one. And I've only had it for a you know a couple of weeks since it's been out, but I I think it's one I can see myself going back to a lot over the. Uh, over the coming months, especially with, as I say, that enforced um, amnesty on buying any album. So, yeah, Creature might be one I, I get a lot into over that time. Yeah, so uh, I think I am going to call it there. I had a couple of uh, French Tech Death albums I wanted to... A trio of French Tech Death albums I wanted to cover from this year, but maybe maybe should save that for a different show now. I think it was coming up to an hour and a half. It's probably, probably run long enough. Let me know if that, that sounds of interest, though. I will 
make sure to prioritize that one in the future next episode i think i want to go for another sort of deeper research one rather than you know another just uh what i've been listening to cool as these are i i, I highly recommend you check out any of these bands i think there's a lot of a lot that i will be returning to more but we will have to see as i say these are mostly releases from late october november time so the these are relatively close to first impression reviews for me um yeah please I, i've already plugged all the social media stuff but please do get in touch over over this month with recommendations for albums i need to pick up stuff i may have missed um because yeah as i say i like I'm going a bit mad buying everything under the sun at the moment because I know I won't be able to do that for a long time afterwards. But yeah, so so please do get in touch. And uh, happy fifth anniversary to the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. <laughs>